Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. My name is Dave Tish. The Afterword is where we talk about what we didn't get to talk about. This past weekend, we talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I have Karina Gerard in the studio with me. Karina delivered this message at a sister church over the hill called Vintage Faith, and so she sat down with me, and we talked about this warning that Paul gives us to be awake and not drunk. So what does it mean to be awake in the 21st century? What does it mean for us to be awake right now? Is God anti-pina colada? Important questions all, and we dive into them right now. All right, let's get into this. Um, Hey, everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I... Boy, ladies and gentlemen, I've got a real treat for you. I've got Karina Gerard here. Karina, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you um, actually preached this message on First Thessalonians chapter four. Actually, not at our church, but at a fam- at kind of a sister church um, it, over in Santa Cruz. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Yeah, we uh, moved over to Scotts Valley in 2019. And so uh, just proximity have been able to have some friendships over there. My next door neighbor works there. And stop. Love that community. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so um, I wanted to talk about First Thessalonians. Now, before we get into First Thessalonians chapter four, uh, just I'm going to give folks a little bit of a background. It's this moment where Paul basically says, "Hey, listen, uh, the day of the Lord is coming. It's going to come like a thief in the night, and you better be ready. And don't don't be like other people and be caught unaware." And you you <laughs> the folks at Westgate didn't hear the story because you only shared an advantage. I loved your opening story because. Um, you actually have a rather mischievous child, and you told a story about about him. Could you could you share that story with us? Because I thought it was just a really funny uh, way to open up this idea. Yeah. So if you have two kids, one of the most interesting thing about having multiple children is even though they come from the same parents, you know, same genetic patrimony, they are completely different from one another, and. My second son, he's just adorable, but boy, is he a sneaky kid. And, uh, (laughs) you know, they're now old enough. They're 11 and 14. You know, I can leave them at home for extended stretches of time. But my younger one, he's asked me, hey, mom, you know, before you come home, can you give me a one hour heads up? Um, One hour, not 10 minutes, one hour. No, no, no. He wants one hour. It's like to remove any incriminating evidence of whatever sort of mischievous behavior they've been up to while mom's been gone. What have you found? Have you ever come home early and found something? (laughs) Oh, goodness. So I've got boys. So we're talking spray paint, uh, matches, uh, sharpened, you know, spears. I mean, uh, it's amazing boys survive at all. It it Uh, is. It it truly is. Yeah. You know, you people who have girls, you'll never know what this is like. Boys are crazy. And this little one, he does want the heads up. He's afraid I'm going to walk in when they're in the middle of some crazy plan to like dive bomb off the roof of the apartment complex you know i don't know what they're planning but they want to know when i'm coming home so i don't catch them 
That's so funny. So, okay. So that's, that's the context of that story is so funny because I think that's how a lot of people, when Paul talks about the return of Christ, um, I think that's how a lot of people actually think about it. It's a punitive thing. I remember the bumper sticker when I was growing up, somebody had a bumper stick. There was this, a spate of bumper stickers and one of them said, Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. so there's a, so there's a sense in which uh, um, I'm afraid. Um, I don't want um, to be punished. Um, I've even heard people say like they're scared, like they confess often because they're scared if Jesus comes back and there's some unconfessed sin, somehow they're going to be like zapped, like somehow they'll be unforgiven because they didn't confess before he came. So yeah. I mean, that that level of fear and terror, which is so funny because this whole time we've been going through Thessalonians, we're talking about how the parousia, the return of the king is this good, beautiful news. And yet so many people live in terror. It's like, totally. I'm not ready for him to come back. I don't want him to come back. Like, what if he catches me being naughty? What if I was just a jerk? What if I said the wrong thing or I did the wrong thing? So it's really um, a shame that so many folks who are our followers of Jesus aren't really looking forward to it. There's kind of a sense of a dread about it. Yeah, yeah. There, um, before the, now, there is a warning that Paul is giving in this passage, but it's not the it's not that it's not be afraid of the coming of Christ. That's not the warning. And so um, let's talk about that for a second too, because I think um, Paul Paul is saying it, it's inevitable. This will happen. He's like just like labor pains, <laughs> you know, just like a pregnant woman is going to give birth. That baby is coming. This will happen. But he's not saying be afraid of it, uh, because again, like you said, the Perusia is a good thing. Um, but there is a warning here, and um, so let's talk about the warning that Paul gives, because he 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 uses a couple of different phrases and terms. He says, "Don't be caught sleeping." Um, he says, "You're child of the light, not 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 the darkness. It, we belong to the day. Let us be sober." Um, so he's, he's like, don't be like those who are drunk at night, be aware. He says the word sober three times. Don't be like those who are asleep. He uses that term. Don't be like those who get drunk basically. And again, this is not, I don't think about physical drunkenness, but what, what is he saying? What is Paul warning? What is the warning here? Not fear, but what is he saying to the church at Thessalonica here? What's the, what's the, what's the warning to them as you, as you see it, as you read these verses? I think Paul is speaking to these folks in Thessalonica like I would speak to my children. I don't want my children to not do the wrong thing because they're afraid I'm going to get home early from work and catch them in the act. I want them to be the sorts of people who do the right thing, who mm -hmm. live the right way. And so it doesn't matter what time I do or Ooh, do not come good. home, that's good. that they're that's good. just children of integrity right and that's what we're working towards as parents <laughs> with, and and paul is is like a parent right he just spoke in with all these familiar familial terms you know you're my children i'm your father yes. i'm like a yeah. mother and it, it's like he he wants them to realize this is not about getting caught 
Um, and in just a moment, he'll actually say this beautiful thing about Jesus is not trying to catch us. This isn't like, you know, he sees you when you're sleeping. You Santa know, Claus. Right? <laughs> this is not like that. This, this is like, you don't belong to a kingdom of darkness. You're actually children of the king of kings. And so let's live this way. So it doesn't matter what yeah. time he comes home because we're his we're being transformed into his likeness. And if we live like him, he could come back at any moment and we're always ready because oh, we're good. filled with a spirit empowered by him to live like him, to look like him. And that, and that frees us up from fear, I think. That frees us up from fear. Uh, he, he says at the end of, of the, the passage that we, we preached on, uh, God didn't appoint you for, for wrath. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're to receive salvation you know that's rescue that's redemption through jesus he died for you we're gonna live with him so this is not a punitive thing uh and then he says so build one in each other up basically like remind each other of this incredible truth build each other up encourage each other just as you in fact doing now if you are spray painting in your mom's kitchen maybe knock that off but uh you don't need Please. to be afraid but you don't need to be afraid uh of that um now, I also love because in when you when you preached, you said that there is a warning here against sleepiness about not sleeping, and you use some pretty powerful um, images. I, you talked about a story that you read to your kids at bedtime. Bedtime, you you were saying you love reading stories and have read stories to your kids at night. Um, that's kind of one of your traditions, one of your one of the things you do. And you read um, a passage um, that really kind of resonated with you about this idea of sleep. You want to. I, I, I just, not everyone got to hear that. So I'd love for you to share that. Yeah, absolutely. So in our passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, this is verse 3. He says, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them suddenly. There will be no escape. Um, so this idea of peaceful and secure. And so um, I love reading with my kids. I read to them every night. We have read like most of the major classics. We actually didn't really do kids books. We just went straight oh, yeah, to totally. classics. And my kids have read so many books. Um, it's pretty awesome. And one of the greats has been The Wizard of Oz. And sure. in that, um, there You're talking are about not the movie, the, the classic book by L. Frank Baum, the, it, which is actually more nuanced than the movie even. And the movie is, of course, incredible. Much more. If you yeah. haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. So deep. Uh, yeah. Yes, very much. And a lot of um, spiritual uh, imagery that we see there. So, you know, this particular passage, he goes on actually to talk about this idea of a spiritual armor in verse eight, protected by the armor of faith and love, wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. And all of this alludes to this very famous passage in Ephesians six about spiritual armor and this idea yeah, that we are yeah, yeah. actually in a spiritual battle and that yeah. it is so important for us to be awake and That's alert and, and aware alive of that. Yeah. to yeah. the realities that this is not peacetime. <laughs> uh, we're not on a cruise ship. We're on a battleship. 
Mm. Um, so this is not time to, you know, have your pina colada by the swimming pool. This is a time to be man your battle station. Sound lovely. Um, man your <laughs> battle station. Um, and so what's so interesting is we we often perhaps don't think about it this way, but the reality that we have a true spiritual enemy and that one of the tactics of that enemy um, can be war through sleep, war Ooh. through a sort Ooh. of sleepiness. And we see this in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, the main characters are on a mission. They have an enemy, right? This wicked witch and all of her... Uh, you know, underlings who are carrying out her acts for her. And several times she's come and she's overtly attacked them. And that's not really worked out well for her. She hasn't uh, succeeded in overpowering Dorothy. And so she tries another tactic. And that is to cause Dorothy and her entourage to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so interesting uh, mm -hmm. if you watch the movie or if you read the book, that scene, it's this steady um, but slow falling asleep where at first they forget at all what their mission is. They forget what, where they're even going and what they're about. And then they actually physically lay down and they fall asleep in this field. And the reality that sometimes the enemy's attacks are really overt and you can see, you know, the different tactics that the enemy might be using in your life to um, steal, kill, destroy, get, a, get us off mission, but that more often than not, especially I think in, you know, the modern West, the yeah. tactic is yeah. one more so of causing one to fall asleep where we mm. lose even any sense that we're at battle or we're on any sort of mission at all. Later in The Wizard of Oz, um, Dorothy comes face to face with her enemy. And interestingly, in the book, as opposed to the movie, she doesn't have red shoes, she has silver shoes. And I wanna read this quote verbatim because this is so powerful. It says, the little girl did not know of the wonderful power that the silver shoes gave her. And so the wicked witch laughed to herself and thought, I can still make her my slave for she does not know how to use her power. In truth, the witch did not dare strike Dorothy because of the mark on her forehead, but the child didn't know this. And so she was full of fear for herself. The reality that we actually have wow. access wow. to infinite power, not by shoes, but by the Holy Spirit living within us and the mark on our foreheads that we've been given a new name, that we've been called by the right. name of the King of Kings, that we are not members of the kingdom of darkness, but we are children of light. And as children of light, we actually have access to infinite power and authority through the Holy Spirit living within us to wage spiritual warfare with a true spiritual enemy through the power of prayer, through the power of God's word, through the power of community. All of this is accessible to us. And yet, how many of us are asleep 
number mm -hmm. one, and how many of us, number two, like this little girl, did not know how to use their power and therefore lived full of fear for themselves. Mm. So we're actually being invited away from sleep, away from slumber, away from fear to an, uh, a state of being awake and alert and living on mission yeah. and living with this spiritual armor. And it's so important, you know, that Ephesians 6 talks about not to get it twisted our enemy is not flesh and blood in these days when people are pitted against one another we have to be completely aware that our enemy is not flesh and blood but our enemy is spiritual forces of darkness um, there's this amazing quote that Jay shared with us earlier this week from a book called Beautiful Resistance. I'd love to share that. It says, By John Tyson, that's, that's the author of that. He's a New York pastor, just for folks who are paying attention at home. Go ahead and read the quote, Karina. Yeah, it says, a culture that has removed the supernatural from its thinking will not do away with the concept of the supernatural. It will transfer them to the natural without acknowledging actual fallen angels and enemies of God. We turn others, other fellow human beings into fallen members of our desired social conditions and enemies of ourselves. Christians with a Satanless gospel will project their anger that should be reserved for Lucifer onto other social groups, ignoring the Apostle Paul's reminder that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. God is not desirous that his wrath fall on any. The whole point here is that living on mission with God means being agents of his love, his peace, his reconciliation with all mankind. So our war is not against fellow human beings, but there is a spiritual battle underneath mm. the surface to which we need to be awake and alert. We have a mission. We are people of the coming kingdom of, of light. And uh, we're being invited to partner with him to uh, have his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, that malaise, that sense of sleepiness, that sense of a spell being cast on you that makes you forget not just what you are, but who you are. And in Dorothy's case, the resources, uh, her, her the magic shoes, right? Not not the ruby slippers, but the silver ones in the book or the ruby ones too. Those are also those, remember the ruby slippers take her right home, right? That's the whole point. Um, that idea of that malaise is really powerful. I think that almost everybody probably has a, um, what my friend termed a, a shadow mission. Just as it's, it's another way of, of living, which um, usually is around comfort, usually is around what you want, uh, that actually gets you no closer to God. He, he said, my shadow mission is this. I remember he, he said this to me and, and it's just a powerful reminder. He said, it's to sit on the couch while I entertain myself with Netflix, while the world quietly rots. Inclu and then he put, including my family. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really stunning reminder that we all have shadow missions whatever that might be. And it's usually a distraction or malaise. For him, it was this comfort, this sleep. Um, 
And I love what you said, the cruise ship versus the warship. That's a, although to be fair, I do like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. So I don't know <laughs> if that's exactly fair. We're not anti-pina colada, I don't think. We're just anti- and Do you like yoga? That's really the question. No, I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so that's a powerful, so what, and, and so, yeah, that's really a powerful reminder. So I guess the final think, question, you know, just the timeliness that we're doing this, um, study in first Thessalonians during the time of Lent is so yeah. perfect and ideal because Lent is really not about giving up chocolate or meat on Fridays or whatever, but it's preparing. It's a, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a way for you to wake up again. Yeah, totally. It's a That's chance what the rhythms for are you. about, right? Reconnecting. Absolutely. Yeah. Reconnecting. Yeah. Uh, you know, that word Lent actually comes from the word spring and it's this idea that, you know, this branch that all the leaves fell off and it looks like it's dead. It's now going to bud and spring back to life. And I want to spring back to life. And the reality is we all have the slow drift, you know, yeah, unless we're yeah. actively moving forward, the law of entropy has us falling yeah. asleep, getting off mission. Love it. You know, our vision is leaking and, yep. Yep. you know, uh, a day turns into a week, turns into a month, and oh my gosh, I haven't spent any time with God. I don't even know if God's even real anymore. Like it all just falls apart unless we're making these active steps forward. Um, and it's again, none of this is like earning favor with God, but it's just about waking us up, attuning our ears to the sound of his voice, yeah. making us more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our life. Um, so that we can be about mission because the reality is what we really, really want, even though we don't, we think we want comfort, but what we really want is a life that has some meaning and purpose. Yeah. And that meaning and purpose will only be found by living awake yeah. on the mission yeah. of the yeah. kingdom of light as, as we are kids of this kingdom that has come and is coming. And if you really want full life, like if you really want to, I mean, we only have what between 70 and a hundred years on this planet. And I don't know how this happened. I don't know, but I'm 100. already 43. Like I blinked, I swear I'm like 20. I blinked on 43. Anybody who's like, past 30 we all realize this is all going way faster than we ever imagined yeah like our time here is short yeah. and let's just be we, can, we don't have time to sleep through any of this let's just wake up and and be on mission and join god this is the most adventurous exciting life that you could possibly experience and it won't always be comfortable that is for sure but that's because we're not on a cruise ship so let's, yeah. let's wake up. That's really good. Um, I love, I love what Paul says. Um, and, and, and let me just close on this. I'm going to read some stuff to you and I just want you to reflect on it. All right. Um, hmm. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober putting on, and I've got some translation stuff here, our allegiance and faith and trust in God, love, as a uh, and, and love as a breastplate and the hope of our rescue and salvation 
as a helmet. What, 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 from a real practical term, when you think about that, what, what does that stir up in you? What is, what, is, what do you think that that's called? What is Paul calling us to in this day? I think first and foremost, it's the idea that we have to have a personal experience and encounter with the, with the risen Christ. We have to personally know and experience his profound love for us and the work that was accomplished on our behalf through the cross. Mm-hmm. Like coming back again and again and being reassured of who you are through the work of Christ is a major, you know, in a sense, an armor that protects yeah, us totally. in this spiritual battle. Uh, but the reality also that we are in community. And so uh, first I begin with my own experiential uh, experience (laughs) to be redundant, Um, but then also to, to move out towards my community, that God is also calling me to a community of faith, which I think what Paul is saying in verse 11. So, so therefore, because all this spiritual stuff is a reality, we've got to encourage each other and build each other up and provide that, that armor for our brothers and sisters. When our brothers and sisters fall asleep, when they lose track of the mission, encouraging them in faith and love and salvation also. So experientially for myself, but then also sharing that with a body of Christ and then living on mission out in my community as well, out in my world. So that sort of Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, you know, start with myself and then my body of Christ and then out to the world. Man, what a powerful reminder. In in, in a weird way, uh, it reminds me of that, that, and I think you might have referenced this too, the film The Matrix, you know, being woken up and being part of this resistance. that, That metaphor works in a pretty profound way, I think, for for those who um, kind of read the New Testament, it, it, there's undertones of that that kind of secret mission being awakened, and uh, we've been awakened. Why would we go back into the pod to be harvested by someone who doesn't really care about us to serve other gods or other allegiances of of other of other things that do not love us the way that God did, did does not die for us does not um, does not offer us um, the life that that Jesus does. Um, that's a powerful reminder. Karina, this is great. Thanks so much for um, sharing. I know you got to get home because um, your boys are probably going to burn down the house if you don't. So I'll let you go. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate, I super appreciate um, all, all, all that. I mean, there's so much in here. And um, yeah, and, and if you've heard anything, I think, uh, folks, um, it's that pina coladas are evil and the work of the devil. So I think that's <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't know why I'm, I'm craving pineapple juice. It's weird. Um, Karina, as thanks soon so as much. COVID's over, I'm taking a carnival cruise. That's for sure. Carnival, Karina, th- here I come. Thanks a ton for helping us and working through First Thessalonians with us. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, let's be awake. <laughs> See you soon. to give a special thanks to Karina Gerard for joining us. Karina, thanks so much for that. And also join us next week when we finish up the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That's right. We're going to finish it up and look forward to Good Friday and Easter. Talk to you soon.